Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Amy Searles, and rejoining us, co-host of the Keep Screaming podcast, founder of the Ghastly Grinning, founder of We Are Horror, Bloody Disgusting columnist, everything. It's hard to remember sometimes. It's Ryan Larson. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me. I know. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I should do less stuff. <laughs> no, you got to keep your name out there. It's just no, hard, to, yeah. it's hard to compress your CV into one, uh, one introduction. I know. Um... Look, I'm trying to keep the bylines down, but it's it's nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Glad to have you back. Um, we're here to talk about season two, episode four, Freddy's Nightmares, called Photo Finish. Oh boy, Ryan. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, this one uh, was originally aired on October 29th, 1989. So this is the Halloween episode of this season. Um, here's what you could have watched in theaters instead that weekend. Ryan, you could have watched Wes Craven's Shocker in theaters that weekend. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I have interesting feelings on Shocker. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a, I mean, if anyone who knows me and, like, Brennan especially knows this, I'm a huge Craven fan. He's mm-hmm. probably, like, my favorite um, horror director. Shocker was one of the ones I got around to really late, right? I just watched Shocker for the first time probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um... There's a lot there. I think Wes bites off more than he can chew in that movie, um, but it's admirable. Admirable, and uh, there's a lot of interesting ideas, and you can see so much of like the conceit for New Nightmare there. Um, but that's an interesting movie, yeah. Yeah, no, it's in, look, it's it's not one of his top tier, you know, Cravenisms, but I would say personally that I find it incontestably better than my soul to take, which you are a huge defender of. Oh, no, no, no. Not me. Don't get me wrong. I okay, don't like, like my soul and, to take. Okay, like B and Aaron. That's B and Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's B and Aaron. No, no, no. I am with you there. I will watch Shocker over my soul to take any day. Give me Horace Pinker over The Ripper. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, don't have to talk about it. Anyway, but yeah, it, I, I find it interesting because... Wes Craven's Shocker was kind of an attempt for him to create a franchise that he could have more creative control over because Freddy had really gotten out of hand. Um, so it's funny to me that his failure to create a new franchise premiered on the same day that his other franchise had like a big episode without him. Right. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, the writer on this episode was Bill Froelich, who was the director and co-writer of Return to Horror High, which I enjoy very much. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's also a producer of Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Um, so, yeah, th- that's, a cool, that's a cool one. And yeah. the, the director here is uh, Tom DeSimone. Uh, he did four of these episodes, but he most notably did Hell Knight with Linda Blair. So we've got some, uh, like, slasher royalty work in here. Oh, wow. Okay. I just watched Hell Knight for the first time, like, last year, I think. I, I actually liked that one quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's... I'm not a huge fan of it for just in general, but I love that Linda Blair is a final girl who actually gets to fix the car that breaks down. <laughs> yeah. I think I just like the general aesthetic of that movie. Like, um, there's a, like the premise. I'm a sucker for like any teens partying for Halloween or like any sort of costume party. I don't know. Oh yeah. 
No, it, it's it's aesthetically a very pleasing movie, and it has a lot of good decisions. It's just not like my favorite, but it's fun. Right. I mean, I'd rather watch Killer Party, which you should. Be, of so. course, Killer yeah. Party's genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, the cast here, we have a lot more to talk about. Um, so as Dennis, um, we have Warren Burton. Uh, he was in the soap opera Santa Barbara, but I don't know if you ever played the Jack and Daxter video games, but he played Samos the Green Sage in those games, which really which really hit me in the nostalgia bone. <laughs> Interesting. Which character is he? Is he the assistant? Um, God, no, not, not, that's Oliver. Dennis is oh. one of the FBI guys. Oh, um, oh, 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 okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, he, he's not the, like, really wild one <laughs> who we'll get to. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll, I'll mention, Peterson is the one who's, like, talking to his tape recorder all the time. Um, but he's played by D. David Morin, um, who has worked a lot, not in a lot of stuff I'd really heard of. But I wanted to bring him up because he played the principal in The Kissing Booth 2, which your podcast co-host B created Netflix artwork for. So I was like, oh, that's fun. Oh, cool. There's a fun little uh, tandem connection there. Yeah. You're like two degrees away from this person. So close. Um, One of the models is uh, Jody, played by Lorraine Shabut. Um, She does a lot of workout videos now, and she's still, you know, doing her thing. Um. And the main character of the first segment, Stoney Adler, is played by Patty McCormick, the Bad Seed herself. She was nominated for an Academy Award for the Bad Seed at age 11. Wow. Um, and now she's here. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, she is good. Um, yeah. She really commits to it. It's not a... We'll get to it. Okay. So, this episode, Ryan, time to, time to dive into the plot. Wait, you skipped uh, the assistant guy. Okay, I just wanted to point out because that dude's in Supernatural, so that's why. Oh, I know him. yeah, Who is he, he in play- Supernatural. He plays. He ends up playing. Uh, he's Loki, who also ends up being one of the angels. He's like one of the big ones. I can't remember now. Okay. I think he's, I think he's Gabriel. Um, but yeah, he is in Supernatural a lot, and so seeing him this young with that hair was very interesting. Is he still extremely cute in his in his old age? Um, more in, like, a very charming way. I want to okay. say, like, super cute physically. Okay. But he's he's really rocking, like, the flock of seagulls haircut and, like, cut off sleeves. And I was like, oh, all yeah. right, I'm listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry for forgetting him. I forgot to look him up because I was interested. It just it slipped past me. Um, but yeah, so basically we open on a photo shoot of... Okay, this might be a stretch, but have you seen those? There's this series of videos that Isabella Rossellini did um, that talks about how different animals have sex. Oh, okay. I I highly recommend them. They're very funny and short. Um, But there's one where she plays a spider, and she talks about how, like, a a spider will impregnate a female spider by, like, kind of, I think it rubs its hands on, like, the sperm or something and then kind of slaps her and runs away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. And it's extremely funny to see <laughs> Isabella Rossellini. She's in like a black leotard with eight legs sticking out of it, and she's just like running around. Oh my god! Um, but so this photo shoot that we open on reminded me a lot of that because it's these three women in black leotards, kind of dancing, and they have like lightning bolts on the front of the leotards, and it's very, <laughs> very peculiar. Yeah, it's odd um, to say the least. Um, but yeah, but we, 
we see Patty McCormick taking photos and going like, yes, wonderful, sure. And then it cuts to her real life where she's just doing family portraits and not her, her beautiful dream of the lightning women. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't say I appreciate her art, but we learn that she's this kind of like avant-garde photographer who's past her prime and just doing this like shitty mall photo shoots that she doesn't really want to do. Right. And they seem to be from her house. Yeah, or maybe just a studio right. space that she has. It seems like a loft of some kind. Yeah, and that family sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> They're like, tell us to say cheese. We love it when you tell us to say cheese. I was like, that's fucking weird. And then, like, I don't know, just, like, the things they're saying are so off-putting and bizarre. Like, we can't wait to have you take pictures pictures of us when we're old and gray. I'm like, yeah. who the fuck would ever say that? Yeah, and then and then they see, um, like, a frame certificate or something from her, and they're like, oh, did you used to be somebody? Oh, yeah, the daughter asked that. She straight up goes, oh, you, did you used to be someone? I was like, that's fucking rude. Like, yeah. <laughs> none of the parents are going to call her out for that? No, instead what the parents do are they acknowledge it and go, Oh yeah, what were you? It's it's truly wild. Th- yeah, this scene is for sure like it seems like it would be a dream, but it's just not. Yeah. Um she does get a call from the editor of Kink magazine. Um uh, they want I, hate, I hated all of the kink stuff. It's it's interesting. I um, just hate any time that you can tell like old men are trying to be hip. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. like whoever wrote this episode was like Literally, someone was writing this, and they turned around, or they were, like, in their house, and they're like, hey, daughter, what's a word you use to say cool? And she was like, racky, and he's like, perfect, and, like, Oh, my God. Like, whatever. Yeah, they're really hitting this word racky. They're really trying to make racky happen. (laughs) Um, And I, it's not something I've ever heard. I, I, I wonder, I, now I need to look it up, because I wonder if it was made up for the show, um... Like, it, it either just, was, or the writer's daughter was just messing with him. That's what I kind of hope, was he's like, what's a word that means cool? And she's like, racky. He's like, got it. And then she like walks away, and she's like, you idiot. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, for me, racky seems like like it would mean, like, busty. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like large breasts. It's like, oh, she's racky. Um, but that's the only possible meaning I could think of for that word. <laughs> Yeah, and I like I don't know how to spell it. From what I can find, it is not a word that was used in the eighties. Fair. Um, it barely was. I don't know. It's only used in this episode eighteen thousand times. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they want to offer her the uh, the Halloween layout. They're like, "Do you still have the touch? We need something like arresting and trendsetting and weird." Um, Freddy shows up. It's the Halloween episode, so he has a little pumpkin, and he's like carving it with his claws. He's like. It's Halloween, and I'm treating that nice female photographer to a couple of tricks. Um, and then he says something about playing head games, and there's, like, a little head in, inside the pumpkin of a dude. And Freddy just kind of, like, wiggles his claws inside the pumpkin, and we're supposed to believe he's stabbing the head, but it's clearly not making contact. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. I wonder, how were the segments in the first season? Honestly, worse. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Although no. shorter. Okay, got it. Um, but the the kind of prop work is better here. It's clearer what he's attempting to accomplish. Um, but he just won't shut up. Um, but yeah, basically, after Freddy talks, we're back. She's trying to do this Halloween photo shoot. She's doing a really uninspired thing with a lady dressed as a witch in kind of a bathing suit. And it's it's terrible. 
Um, and I don't know why she even thought this was going to work. Yeah, I when this happened, I thought she was still doing, like, cheesy mall um, photos. Yes. Not, not her magazine shoot here. But, yeah, no, it just turns out she has lost her touch. Um, but the uh, the model asks, like, who are you? And Patty McCormick kind of snaps back, and she's like, does it come as a shock that Paul McCartney was in another band before Wings? And that's... It was funny, but also people now would know Paul McCartney, but probably don't know Wings. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought I noticed that too. Because I, I mean, I grew up on Wings because my dad um, really liked Wings. But also, do we believe that people in the 80s didn't know who the Beatles were? Um, like, they just, like, they only knew Paul McCartney from Wings? <laughs> like, <laughs> somebody did, but yeah, I don't okay. know if Wings was that, like, I don't know. I, I don't have a frame of reference for how big Wings would have been at the time or, like, how many people would have known the lineup of Wings, like, if they didn't know about the Beatles. Right, yeah. It's just, that was such a strange thing to me for her to say, like, out of all the things. I'm like, really? You pick arguably the most iconic rock band of all time and then you go with their, like, you know one of their lead singer side projects and you're like did you know i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure everyone knows who the beatles are yeah well i mean the joke is that she's too young to know about the beatles but also like she's not an idiot right exactly yeah um anyway so she has a new assistant show up his name's oliver he's on supernatural he's very cute he really doesn't do anything it's just more youth reminding her that she's past her prime yep um he's he sees auras though he's like your aura's red very hot and she's like oh thank you and he's like are you too stressed out or something and then what, what's he say too he's like it either means you're stressed or you used to be really good in bed yeah i used to be <laughs> <laughs> oh yikes um and then basically she has a dream that the editor calls her and she's like your shoot is not racky at all um now you have to you know just shoot like glamour shots of food for restaurant menus <laughs> yeah that was uh interesting too yeah uh, it's it's something um but then the next model she has or she's the same model but the next like setup she has is like a jack the ripper kind of inspired thing um and so th- the model's like oh man i was up all night so she just kind of like is leaning against this fake lamppost and just takes a nap because you know <laughs> The, the poor Springwood people just can't catch a break. Yeah, this was the episode in particular where I was just like, wow, these people sleep a lot. Also, on their job. Like, on. The, can you imagine if I was at work and just, like, making coffee and, like, leaned up against the, the Mastrina, like the espresso machine, and just fell asleep for a couple minutes? Yeah, and then someone's like, Ryan, what are you doing? And you're like, ah, I was, I was dreaming that, you know, I was drowning in coffee beans. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically she falls asleep and has a dream that Freddy Krueger is like strangling her with a cape of some kind. I guess. Yeah. And he says something about how it's cold outside, but death is colder. (laughs) Um, but basically in real life, the model starts like writhing in pain and trying to escape Freddy. And for some reason, even though the, her camera hasn't even been set up yet, um, Patty McCormick thinks that the model is, you know, just performing for the photo shoot. And she's like, oh, this is perfect. She takes a bunch of pictures of her, like, screaming. <laughs> I love that, one, the model is asleep through all this. And two, um, it, it, if anything, this show would make it seem that Freddy is a very ineffective killer. 
Yeah, because he does not kill this woman. <laughs> no, and he like struggles to even really do anything to her. She doesn't. He doesn't even like harm her the whole time. He's like kind of just. He literally like dances with her. He does a dip at one point. Oh yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird situation. I think he's maybe just playing with his food at this point because he want he doesn't I don't know he's trying to start like exuding his influence over Patty McCormick but not know how bad it's gonna get yet. I don't know. Yeah, in my head canon again, this this plays true to the last episode we talked about where Freddie is in everyone in Springwood's dream. So there's some people that he just chooses. I'm just gonna mess with you today. Yeah, like you know sometimes. Look, murdering someone every single time is a big expectation, and you're gonna run out of people. <laughs> right, exactly. So sometimes he just wants to dance with you in a pretty, um, you know, anxiety-inducing um, way. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the photo shoot obviously goes great, because we love pictures of a woman screaming and bending backwards and not really doing anything else. Um, the next photo shoot happens, the model is doing like a vampire thing where she's asleep in a coffin, and she has to pretend that someone's staking her but she's just holding the steak. Um, and there's a kind of hilarious moment where she's like, I can suck on the steak if you want. I did like that. She's like, or lick it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad you're, you know, you're into the, the gig, but sure. It seems gross. I like with this woman too, they immediately give us a setup. They're like, by the way, she's going to fall asleep. Cause she goes, I'm pretty jet lagged. So if I fall asleep, just knock me. I was like, what? These are the least professional models in the entire world. Yeah. The, also, sleep is so important for modeling like you need your you need to look fresh and you know you need literally your beauty sleep you don't want bags under your eyes and whatnot um but these models don't give a fuck um and of course she falls asleep she imagines that freddie's trying to pierce her with the stake and obviously patty mccormick's like holy shit you're doing a great job um and then she does get stabbed with the stake through the chest and she dies in the coffin and patty mccormick is like great work you know, just take a nap. I'll be right back. I'm going to develop these photos. And no one notices for hours. Yep, they just leave her there. They're like, yep, that seems right. After doing that really energetic, exciting performance, she just fell asleep. That's how it I mean, I guess all of her models fall asleep, so she's it, she wouldn't be shocked by this. She's also bleeding, though, which is, like, the part for me. Maybe Patty wouldn't notice. Like, maybe. But, like, the assistant is just, like, out there for a while. Yeah, th this is really a terrible setup. They're not good at their jobs. No. Um, but basically, she does have a dream about Fred. Or he's like just in voiceover talking to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, where he's like, I'm your meal ticket. I'm in your head. Like, you know, you got to make sure they fall asleep and I'll take care of the rest. And then I'll make you famous. Um, and basically, the editor calls again. She's like, I need one more photo session. These are so good. And Patty's like, no, I can't. You know, she... She did hide the body so nobody knows that her model is dead, but she doesn't want to murder another person for her career. But the editor's like, look, it's this or it's back to portraits. Like, you have no choice. Um, so basically she does the spookiest of Halloween setups, which is a ancient Egypt Cleopatra thing. Yep. Um, and this model isn't even complaining about jet lag, but... She's like, you know what, Cleopatra, she was a really sleepy lady, so if you want to take a nap, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, so bad. Yeah, and also, I don't I don't think that's true, but whatever. She was just making it work. Um, but basically, she sees Freddy behind the model. Like, he's dressed as a mummy, and he's, like, unwrapping himself. 
And she's like, okay, great. Freddie's going to do my work for me. And she's like, all right, model, you know, react. And she's the model's just like, to what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then it turns out that Freddie is in Patty McCormick's dream, and he stabs out her eyeballs. Yup. Um, Freddie as a mummy was fun. I would, like, that would be an enjoyable, like, action figure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would love that. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good image. Um, and then we have a little coda where the editor is like, your pictures are all great. We'll have to keep hiring you. You have a great eye. And she's like, yes, yes, I do. And she turns to the camera and she has these like spooky, empty eye sockets. Yeah. Um, and then we see Freddie reading kink magazine and he's like, she wanted a good picture. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it, get it good. And I'm like, you could have just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that one at least, it's campy, it's fun, it's like goofy, um, the, I mean, the entire premise of like, I, the third model, by the third model when she's like, you can just fall asleep, I was like, this is silly. And the model just agrees to it. Yeah, but. She's uh, like, sure, this lady can take pictures of me while I'm asleep. Yeah, and it's also like very interesting for me to see Freddy and anything outside of the movies because like i said i haven't watched any of these so to see him to see him as the like crypt keeper thing i what is not very surprising because he fits that role very well and then also like i've seen um never sleep again so i knew he existed as that role within oh, yeah. this franchise but i i didn't realize that he was actually the antagonist of some episodes so to see him exist outside of the movies is interesting in lots of different aspects because it's like oh cool more freddy but also i'm kind of like Oh, less budget, Freddy, and you can tell. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he's doing the wackiest shit, too. Like, I'm surprised that a lot of this stuff hasn't really made it into the, the GIF world because we really need some of his uh, material here as GIFs. Like, the mummy thing. There's one where he's dressed as a DJ. Um, the, the only GIF that has escaped from the show is the one of him, like, playing the guitar and leaping into the air that is from this show. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot of unplumbed material. Yeah, I would really like to talk to Robert about this. It seems like he hates being there. <laughs> like, it's the laziest Freddy work that he's ever done. Like, it's his performance on the Goldbergs was way more energized than this. Oh, yeah. No, look, at this point, um, he'd done all five of the main movies. Um, he was probably pretty burnt out. And... He was just like, fine, you know, slap this makeup on me. Let's go. I'll say whatever shit you need me to do. Give me some money. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's see. Okay, so the next uh, half of the episode, um, it's set on Halloween night. Um, a woman answers the door. There's someone dressed as a ghost with a bedsheet, but she gets shot from beneath the bedsheet. So that was actually kind of a cool intro. We're like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, I like that intro. I, I agree. I was like, oh, that's cool. And, like, the bedsheet thing is very, like, Halloween-ish, you know, so I dug it. Yeah. And um, there is a very Carpentery score in this scene, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the... It, it's basically the tracking shot from the opening of Halloween. Um, yep. And this is absolutely the same house with the same staircase that they used in episode one. And I'm not... Look, I'm not shocked that they reuse sets, but this is the first time that I've noticed, like, one of the house sets, so I was excited. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Um, and then he shoots a, a little girl, um, which was kind of also shocking. Yep. Um, and then we see Freddy with two hanging dummies, and he's like, it's Halloween, my night to play. I asked them to hang around. And then he just says, like, 
I hear the feds are coming to Springwood. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, out of town is of such a bad attitude. Wait until I show them my tricks or treats, which is not how phrases work. Um, but yeah, I was like, this is the first time he's fully introduced the plot of the episode. Because normally the feds would show up first and then he would talk about them. This is the first time he's talked about something before it's happened. And I was like, oh, I guess the feds are coming. <laughs> He's, um, he's doing the exposition for us at this point. Yeah, which should have been his job the whole time, but, you know, he hasn't been. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically the feds are investigating. So what we didn't see is that after murdering the mother and the daughter, um, the, the there is a father who was sitting downstairs and had his throat slashed. Um, and the weapon is no longer there, but they think it's a suicide. And also... The feds are really fast because they got there the same night, apparently. And also, they really want you to know they work for the FBI because every single thing they have has the letters stenciled on it. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the binders, the suitcases, like every single thing. And how many times do they mention they work for the FBI? Oh, yeah. They, they might as well offer him like a stick of gum that has like FBI carved onto the, the gum. Yeah, one of the guys literally at one point says, I was trained under Hoover. I'm like, oh my goodness, okay. Yeah, which is, that was a weird blast from the past, too, where it's like, we obviously, Hoover is the most famous, like, FBI leader, but he's not someone that you think of as contemporary or, like, could have actually, like, engaged with someone who's from the FBI now. Right. Um, so that was fun. Um, so there's two FBI guys who show up, and then there's a third one who has a tape recorder, and he's very much like a mind hunter kind of guy. He's trying to get into the mindset of the killer and... They do not like him at all. I don't like him either, Brennan. Well, no, he's he's too intense. Um, he asks one million questions, and they're like, I understand the whole mind hunter approach that they're going for here. I can even appreciate that. I'm like, cool, I get it. Like you're doing a whole Silence of the Lambs like thing, um, trying to get in the head of the of the killer. But also, like, all he does is walk around and be like, "What were you doing? Why did you do this?" Why would you want to do this? Were the lights on? Were the lights off? I'm like, oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> yeah, so it's this weird FBI murder mystery where he is Dale Cooper, but one who just won't shut up. Yeah. Um, and they listen to a message. They hear the dad calling the house, and he is responding to a voice that they don't hear. He's like, who are you? What are you doing in my house? Like, I'm coming over there. And they're like, oh, was he talking to a voice in his head? You know, one of the million questions that this man asks. Mm-hmm. Um... And basically, trick-or-treaters show up at the house, which currently has, you know, all the, you know, like, tape outlines of the bodies. And it's literally the same night of the murder. But the FBI dude just pick up the bowl of candy, and they're like, well, this isn't evidence. We can give it out, right? And he, he even goes, he not only does he answer the door, he also goes, come on in, kids, yeah. to an active crime scene where there's bodies, uh, like, taped out and blood on the floor. And, and yeah, no, that scene was great. And also, one thing I noticed, like, this whole time, too, they just, like, step on that blood all the time. Like, oh, they yeah. have, they don't give a shit about, like, any sort, like, there's a couple times where, like, oh, don't touch that, that's evidence, but, like, mostly, they're, like, just touch whatever. Like, they touch the chair the dad is in, they sit in it, they spin around in it, like, they, I'm, like, no one cares about the evidence in this house. Oh, yeah, no, there's a point where he's sitting in the chair, and then he, like, kind of sits up and looks around and seems almost surprised that there's a, a tape outline on the chair. <laughs> oh, it, they're seriously the worst. Um, but he basically starts having visions of what happened. Um, which is that the dad is the one who murdered the people, 
um, but he sees them as Freddy. So he thinks he's killing Freddy, and then he realizes that he killed his wife and daughter, and then Freddy slashes his throat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all very complicated. <laughs> um, yeah, this one... Um, so on the last episode with you, I talked about how, like, I... So one of my least favorite things ever in horror, mm-hmm. like, is when you establish rules only to break them. Like, if you're going to break rules, just don't establish them. It's that easy. Yeah. Just, like, give someone an ambiguous amount of power. Um, that's why I hate The Ring 2 so much, <laughs> because I'm like... There's so I'm many like, reasons you... to hate The Ring 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one of the big ones is, like, you was, you spent an entire movie establishing rules. Yes. And then just went, fuck it, we need a sequel. Or, like, that happens a lot, unfortunately, and like especially supernatural horror movies where like the entire movie it's like if we do this we'll beat it but they want to leave it open for a sequel or they want to like give you that stinger at the end and they just like like truth or dare i feel like did that um lights out i feel like did that and i'm just like why establish rules if you're just going to break them and so this does that but it's even more heinous because it's rules that we've had five movies of freddy in and so we like this is hours upon hours now of us understanding how freddy works and then this this episode just goes like freddy basically just exists whenever he wants to yep it's it's pretty infuriating if you think about it which is why i try not to yeah (laughs) um but yeah so it's really strange and for some reason one of the fbi guys has left the house so when he He, yeah he he went to call in freddy himself because our Mindhunter guy was like, Freddy Krueger. And he's like, how'd you get that name? And he's like, I just did. Oh, yeah. And then he's, yeah, and then this guy's like, I think he's the killer, which is mind-boggling. Because um, I'm like, the FBI literally sent this guy in, and they try to, like, make it feasible. They're like, oh, yeah, like that case in Boston in 81. I'm like, ugh, I hate this. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's why he that. It's, it's very convoluted. Um, <laughs> but basically, so the FBI guy, he comes back, but now he sees like freddy in the doorway and he's going through the exact same motions of he shoots freddy in the doorway then he goes upstairs and shoots freddy in the daughter's room and they like the other guys like fall onto the outlines that are already there um it's it's really strange um freddy pops up from behind the couch and he's like you're a smart boy you figured it out but the game's gotta end and Freddy gets shot in this little cute little bullet hole in his sweater and he pulls out the bullet and he's like, you ruined a perfectly good sweater. And I'm like, you just grow it back. You're a dream person. You cut off your own <laughs> limbs all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he knocks him into the chair, cuts his throat. It's the exact same set of kills that we saw happening with the family. Yep. And then, Oh, and the family, I, the family is the family from the family portrait in the first episode. Oh, is it? I did not yes. notice. Oh, that's so good. I didn't even think about that. I love that. Yeah, they. Um, there is one part in the episode I noticed where they're like, when the FBI is there and they're investigating, oh, it's when he's looking at the picture of the dad. The picture next to the picture of the dad is the family portrait from the first episode. Oh, that's so great. I didn't even think about like trying to find a connection because I was like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's the connection, which I, I saw that and I, I appreciated it. Okay, you know what? That actually makes me appreciate this episode more. I didn't even connect that at all. Um, oh, and also now that all of them are dead, the FBI has faxed over like a little like dot matrix photo of Freddy Krueger. Um, also, the best part is the FBI's photo of Freddy is the Freddy as we know him. 
Yeah. Like, dream, it's Dream Freddy. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know how they got that photo of him. That's a really good uh, point. Because yeah, yeah, it's it's not live Freddy. It's Dream Freddy. Uh, you, you really were engaged with this part of the episode more than I was, and I appreciate it. Because <laughs> yeah. this is these are the important questions. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So, someone in the... And it's like, the best part is it's like a headshot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's a glamour photo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's, like, posing. He's got, like, his claw on his chin, and he's, like, laughing. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, the picture of him then catches fire for no reason, and then a new trio of FBI dudes comes in, and it's a, you know, it's a very Twilight Zone ending where they're implying that this circle is going to continue forever. And because Freddy was so much part of the episode, there is no stinger because, like, we, we kind of have already heard from him. So that's, that was really interesting. This is the first time he's not closed out an episode by saying something dumb. Yeah, uh, I did notice that too. And like, I actually had to rewind the ending because there's like a music stinger, right? There's like a musical cue that like something happened, but it's just the dude pulling out a piece of paper. And I thought I missed like them flashing to what was on the paper. Nope, it's just him pulling out a piece of paper. No, I think the cue was that like the implication of like, oh, the cycle begins anew. Right, exactly. Um, Yeah, so all in all, final thoughts. Did you find this episode to be a dream, a nightmare, or did it put you to sleep? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) Man. You know what? I'm going to break it into two again. And I'm going to say the first one was actually, for me, a dream. Like, I had a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. It was, like, really campy, like, really fun. Like, I love the, obviously, like, the dressing up and see Freddy and the Mummy thing. And, like, you know, it was decently acted. And there's, like, you know, pretty brutal with her, like, taking her eyes out or getting her eyes taken out and Mm -hmm. stuff. So that one. This, the second part, though... Um, nightmare again I just hate convoluted rule breaking plots mm-hmm. and like the whole thing of like Freddy just like appeared to them like basically now he's in a loose he can be a, a in like a hallucination I guess yeah he can I just was, do anything yeah I was like nah I don't like that I don't uh no not for that yeah, okay, I, I think for me, I am going to just go ahead and say it's generally a dream, but, like, with extreme qualifications, because, you know, it's very, very, very stupid. Yeah, no, for sure. But it's definitely, uh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like both of mine, if I were to equate them, they're both, like, kind of in the dream category, because, like, I liked one, and I didn't like the other, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say that... This is the first episode, other than the pilot, where Freddy is 100% like an active villain, and I did appreciate that. Like, I, I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know. Like, does he show up in other episodes at all, other than his like weird hosting? Yes, he does. Um, okay. It's probably like five per season. Um, actually, maybe this is the third one where he's like an active villain, but the, it's the first since the pilot that he really has felt like a major presence who is not just like on a soundstage, not engaging with the other actors at all. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, he'll, he'll show up sometimes definitely for the Halloween episodes, usually for the first and last episodes of the season. And then like a couple random ones here and there, hmm. you know, I'm probably gonna have to watch it all now because I'm a I'm a completionist like that. Oh God, you you don't have to, Ryan. <laughs> Just listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's actually a better idea. You'll know everything that happens, and you won't have to watch it. Yeah, it's two seasons, right? Yeah, it's two seasons, a total of forty-four episodes. 
This show had 44 episodes? Yeah, it was a network show, baby. Oh, holy shit, that's a lot for Freddy's Nightmares. And they're, two, and they're two episodes, so they're basically 88 episodes. I mean, I guess. Um, like, there's like with, There's 88, like, discrete stories, generally. Right, wow, that's a lot. It sure is, Ryan. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be closer to the end than the beginning at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of... You're what, this is 20... Four and twenty-five for or you, so twenty-five and twenty-six. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, you're like over halfway there. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> um, anyway, Ryan, where can everybody out there find you on the the good old internet? Um, you can find me. Let's see, Ghastly Grinning is where you'll find the bulk of my writing. It's it's like all my reviews, and then also I do my best to try to like um, champion other newer writers in the genre. Um, you can find me at Bloody Disgusting, uh, for my column, You Oughta Know. Uh, I will soon be on Consequence of Sound, covering Beyond Fest and a couple other fun things over there. Um, Keep Screaming, my podcast is available anywhere podcasts are found. And then, uh, I do not personally write for We Are Horror, I'm just the founder, um, but you can find, um, some of the great, uh, writers over there. I occasionally contribute to the Patreon, and then, um, you can just follow me online if you'd like, at RyanWritesLeft on Instagram, though I don't post very often on there, and, um, at Ryan Larson on Twitter, which is where I do the, like, the most posting. Yes, and you can find all that information in the show notes. And just a reminder, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Rate and review us wherever you get us. And here's the synopsis of the next episode, which is Season 2, Episode 5, Memory Overload. In Part 1, an alcoholic professor helps a former student. In the second part, a woman's computer begins talking to her. So that's going to happen, I guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, until then, sweet dreams and, you know, catch you on the flip side. Bye.